Hi listeners, it's Carter, here to tell you about an incredible event celebrating the launch of ParCast's first book, Cults. On July 13th, crime junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler are coming together for a night of true crime to remember. And you can be part of it virtually on Spotify Live or in person. The evening will take place in Los Angeles and feature discussions about the book, a live Q&A, and so much more. All ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley Flowers that provides financial resources to help solve cold cases and support families impacted by unsolved violent crimes. It's a wonderful cause and an evening perfect for any true crime fan. But time is running out. Register for your spot today at parcast.com slash cults. All attendees will receive a special signed copy of Parcast's new book, Cults. So don't wait. Sign up at parcast.com slash cults. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, Listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of emotional abuse, stalking, and murder. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. Janair Gerardo knew she shouldn't be snooping. It wasn't that she didn't trust her husband. He just had a habit of forgetting things. Instead of constantly nagging him, she got into the habit of checking in on him, Tracking his credit card statements, reading his emails, Janaire didn't really expect to find anything incriminating until one day in 2004, she did. Mark had been to Berlin on a business trip to help his friend, Mike, promote some eco-project. When he got back, he seemed a bit off, distant, like he was preoccupied. Mark had been like this once before, 14 years ago in 1990, it was right before he'd dumped Janaire. She didn't want to be blindsided again, so while Mark was at work, she logged into his email. It didn't take her long to find an exchange with Mike about something that happened during their trip, a drunken night out, an incident with a woman. Janaire's head started to spin. What was the incident? She decided she wasn't going to wait to find out. She and Mark had been married long enough that she could mimic his voice. So, without hesitating, she clicked reply to Mike's email. If Mark wasn't going to tell her what happened, she would find out for herself. Hi, I'm Lainey Hobbs, and this is Crimes of Passion, a Spotify original from Parcast. In the legal definition, a crime of passion is a violent crime that occurs in the throes of extreme emotion, leaving no time to reflect on the consequences. But in this show, we explore how passionate relationships sometimes lead us to criminal activity. How does a husband and wife become killer and victim, or killer and co-conspirator? If there's a thin line between love and hate, what manipulates our relationships into deadly results? You can find episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This week, we'll follow Mark and Janari Gerardo's relationship as it grows and warps over two decades. Mark's wandering eye slowly splintered the trust between him and his wife. Next week, we'll discuss Mark's secrets, 
His refusal to come clean to his wife pushed Janir to do unspeakable things. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The story of Mark and Janair Gerardo is a tragedy, but it's also a love story. And like so many of those, it all started with a chance encounter. It was the summer of 1986. 18-year-old Mark Gerardo sped through the streets of his hometown, Fort Wayne, Indiana, in a red Pontiac Firebird. He loved the feeling of the wind in his hair, the freedom of having absolutely no plans and nowhere to be. Eventually, his friend Rick chimed in from the passenger seat. He was hungry. Mark didn't want to pull over, but he spotted a Taco Bell up the road. He figured stopping to grab a Burrito Supreme would be better than listening to Rick complain. Even inside the restaurant, Mark had his mind back on the road. He planned to order, get his food, and leave. But when he approached the register, he stopped dead in his tracks. Behind the counter, sporting a Taco Bell visor and a smile, was a woman. The most beautiful woman Mark had ever seen. Her name was Janair Cox. Her platinum hair and blue eyes gleamed. Maybe it was the smell of cinnamon crispas in the air, or maybe it was love, but either way, Mark would never be the same. Before we dive into the psychology here, Please note, I'm not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for the show. The phenomenon of love at first sight has fascinated people practically forever. While it's most commonly depicted in movies and romance novels, there are a number of psychological instincts that help explain how the feeling works in real life. A 2006 Princeton study found that people need approximately 100 milliseconds to make a judgment about a stranger's face whether the judgment be about attractiveness, trustworthiness, or other traits. Increased exposure time did not affect the initial judgment, suggesting that often our first impressions stick. This was certainly the case when Mark laid eyes on Janair in Taco Bell. But despite his immediate attraction to Janair, his friend Rick beat him to the punch. 
He stepped around the gobsmacked Mark and started hitting on Janair with reckless abandon. Mark shuffled back, frustrated. Rick's aggressive advances landed like a lead balloon, though, and Janair let him down easy. After Rick sulked off in defeat, Mark felt like his moment felt spoiled. He placed his order and left, but he couldn't get the girl with the blue eyes out of his head. His next chance with Janair didn't come until 1990, nearly four years later. One day, Mark's car battery died. Not much of a mechanic himself, he brought his trusty firebird to a local Fort Wayne Sears auto center. When 22-year-old Mark walked in the waiting room, the last person he expected to see was the girl with the blue eyes. But there she was, reading a magazine and sipping a cup of complimentary coffee. Now 20 years old, Janir had traded her Taco Bell uniform for a brown leather bomber jacket. The style suited her. Mark could tell she was way out of his league. He sat in a nearby chair, stealing furtive glances at her, resigning himself to missing his shot once again. But luckily for Mark, Janir was a bit more direct. As soon as she recognized Mark, she struck up a conversation. Soon, the two were chatting as if they'd known each other for years. Mark was smitten. Janair was bold, a rebel with a wicked sense of humor who said exactly what she wanted. By the time Mark's firebird was ready, they both knew there was a spark between them. There was only one problem. Mark already had a girlfriend. Despite their undeniable chemistry, Janair informed Mark that she had no interest in being the other woman. He likely hadn't planned on going all in after one conversation at an auto center, but he couldn't deny what he felt. Within a week, he broke things off with his girlfriend and started dating Janair. From the very beginning, Mark and Janair's pairing was tumultuous. Mark was a shy, sheltered rule follower, raised by strict Catholics in rural Indiana. The 10th of 11 children, he was used to keeping his head down and his nose in his school books. Janair, on the other hand, was free-spirited, stubborn, and at times, volatile. She only had one sibling and was raised in the city surrounded by classmates from more affluent families. To set herself apart, she embraced a rebellious side. She listened to heavy metal, dated around, and was a bit of a loner. These differences created tension in these early days. Mark and Janair dated happily for several months. They spent as much time together as possible, but during Mark's senior year, their relationship took a sudden turn when Mark fell for someone else. She was a transfer student at his university. They started flirting in class, and before he knew it, Mark was smitten again. He decided he had to break things off with Janair. It was the right thing to do. Unlike Janair, however, Mark lacked the confidence to speak his mind. He took Janair on a date, planning to break up with her, but the time never felt right. Instead, he sat through the entire experience, stressed and anxious until suddenly he was dropping Janair back at her parents' house. Finally, with no more time left to put it off, Mark blurted out that he wanted to see other people. Janair took it hard. Her eyes filled with tears and she bolted out of the car. Mark felt horrible. He'd never been dumped, but he could see the hurt in Janair's bright blue eyes. Three months later, he got to learn firsthand what it felt like. The new girl he was dating stopped returning his calls, and Mark soon learned that she had found someone else. He was crushed. 
After a month of licking his wounds, Mark happened to run into Janair at the mall. All his feelings for her came rushing back. His love for her intense personality and the sense of humor they both shared. He had to get her back. And he knew that on the weekends, Janair worked at a Sears catalog call center. So that Sunday, he waited by her car for hours until she got off her shift. Janair was apprehensive at first. Mark had broken her heart only a few months earlier. She asked him what he wanted, and Mark responded by begging her forgiveness. Eventually, Janair's feelings for Mark got the better of her, and her guarded expression melted into a smile. They agreed to give it another shot, and Mark swore to Janair he would never hurt her again. Over the next year, the two fell deeply in love, but that didn't mean things were easy. Mark later claimed Janair started to become controlling, expressing her dislike about everything from how he dressed to who he spent his time with. Janair herself didn't spend much time or energy maintaining a social life. She thought that all she needed was her career and her relationship with Mark. And she thought he should feel the same way. Rather than argue about it, Mark decided that sacrificing his social life was a small price to pay. Unfortunately for the couple, things went from bad to worse. Mark got a job in Indianapolis over 100 miles away. The couple tried long distance, hoping their love would make the time apart feel like nothing at all. But only seeing each other every other weekend took a toll on their relationship. One evening at dinner, Mark noticed Janair was acting strange. When he asked her what was wrong, she broke down crying. She told him she couldn't do it anymore. She wanted to break up. That could have been the end of things, but Mark wouldn't give up. After pausing for a moment, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a ring. Janair was thrilled and readily agreed to get married, but when they started telling friends and family about their engagement, the couple discovered that not everyone was so happy. Mark later claimed his friends and family didn't get along with Janair's somewhat abrasive personality. His best friend Mike even took it to the extreme, warning him outright not to marry Janair. But the pair was too smitten to care what anyone else said. On October 23, 1993, Mark and Janair vowed to love each other forever, and Janair became Mrs. Gerardo. Afterward, Janair moved into Mark's tiny one-bedroom apartment in Indianapolis. After five years of working hard and saving up, things finally turned around. Janair got a great job, allowing Mark to start his own design firm in 2001, which became wildly successful. The pair settled into their new life together, adopting golden retrievers in lieu of having kids. Things were going well. It seemed like the bumps along the way were in the rear view and there was nothing but a bright future to look forward to. But in time, their perfect fantasy would start to come apart at the seams because Mark's wandering eye quickly got them in trouble again. Coming up, Mark reveals the deeper issues in his relationship and uncovers an unexpected side to Janair's personality. Hi, listeners. It's Carter with some truly exciting news. To commemorate the launch of Colts, ParCast's first book, Crime Junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler are coming together on July 13th for an in-person and virtual experience you do not want to miss. 
The evening will take place in Los Angeles and feature a live Q&A about the book, an exclusive meet and greet, and a discussion on all things true crime. All ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley that provides funding to law enforcement agencies and families to help solve cold cases. It's an amazing organization near and dear to both Ashley and Max, and another great reason to enjoy this wonderful night. And it's just days away, so visit parcast.com slash cults to register today. You can also catch the event virtually on Spotify Live if you are unable to join us in person. All attendees will get a signed copy of the book and a night they'll never forget. July 13th is fast approaching, so be sure to join Ashley Flowers and Max Cutler for a very special evening celebrating the release of ParCast's new book, Cults, all for an incredible cause. Register today at ParCast.com slash cults. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some... The gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. After a rough decade, Mark and Janair Gerardo were finally in a good place. In 2004, Mark's design firm was prospering. The financial stability took some pressure off the new marriage, and he was getting along better than ever with Janair. Personally and professionally, Mark was riding high. So when his best friend Mike invited him on a business trip to Berlin, Mark immediately said yes. In his mind, it was yet another blessing. But really, only a small portion of the trip had anything to do with business. Mike needed some help marketing an eco-resort he'd developed, and Mark was a natural at sales. Once the work part of the trip was over, the two men went out for a drink to celebrate. Soon, one drink turned into two, two drinks turned into five, and before Mark knew it, he was waking up in an apartment he'd never seen before. Mark stretched, wincing at his pounding headache. How much had he drank last night? Then he rolled over and spotted her, the Austrian woman in bed next to him. Suddenly, everything came rushing back. The low light of the crowded bar, a beautiful woman smiling at him, and beer. So much German beer. Mark immediately realized he'd made a huge mistake. He rushed out leaving the woman blinking in sleepy confusion. He sucked the fresh air into his lungs and hailed a cab. Back at the hotel, Mike was all smiles as he asked Mark about his night. Mike had never cared for Janair and he was glad for his friend. He told Mark that he'd never seen him happier, but all Mark could think about was his wife. He agonized over whether to tell Janair for the rest of the trip. When they returned to the States, he emailed Mike about the incident. They chatted briefly, keeping their language vague. After a brief exchange, Mark stopped responding. 
Maybe he decided he should just put the whole incident out of his mind. But the day after the email exchange, Mark got a call. Mike asked him about the note Mark had sent him that morning. There was just one problem. Mark hadn't emailed Mike. As far as Mark knew, their correspondence had ended the day before. After some initial confusion, Mark checked his email and saw that Mike was right. A message had been sent from his email address, asking an open-ended question. It was almost like he was trying to draw out more details about the incident. Mark wasn't sure how this could have happened. Maybe he'd been hacked. But that didn't make much sense. Eventually, the pieces clicked together. Mark knew exactly who had sent the email. Janair. Many people in close relationships engage in intrusive behaviors. Everything from reading a partner's text without permission to checking their pockets. A 2013 study for the Journal of Family Psychology found that two things are necessary to prevent these behaviors. The first is self-control on the part of the snooper. And the second is trust in the relationship. It seems like in the case of Mark and Janair, neither of these things was present. Unbeknownst to Mark, Janair had been accessing his email account for years. She read every message he sent, and when she saw his cryptic exchange with Mike about an incident in Berlin, she had to know more. So she'd emailed Mike from Mark's account, pretending to be her husband. She asked leading questions in the hopes that Mike would reveal what had happened. Perhaps Mark should have made a bigger deal about Janair's invasion of his privacy, but at the time, all he could think about was the fact that his wife knew that he'd cheated on her. The truth was out whether he liked it or not. Mark was forced to come clean. And Janair was crushed. This was the very thing she'd been afraid of ever since Mark fell for someone else all those years ago. But at this point, with more than a decade invested in their marriage, neither of them wanted to throw it all away for a drunken one-night stand. Eventually, Janair said she forgave Mark for his indiscretion. However, an essential bond of trust between them had been broken. A crack started to form in their marriage, one that wasn't easily papered over. And over time, it grew deeper and deeper. After that bump in the road, Mark and Janair tried to forge ahead in building their life together. They sold their first house in 2005 for $60,000 more than they'd bought it for. They used the extra cash to purchase a much bigger four-bedroom house, hoping to do the same flip on a larger scale. But their timing couldn't have been worse. Three years later, after $100,000 of renovations, the housing bubble burst and the market collapsed. Just like that, a massive investment had turned into nothing more than a money pit. But that wasn't all. Three years later in 2011, the recession hit Mark's business hard. He was forced to shutter the entire thing, leaving him and Janair reliant on low-paying freelance jobs. And just like before, the financial stress took a toll on their marriage. The pair fought more than ever while they struggled to make ends meet. When a friend recommended Mark for a job at a small web development firm in Greenville, South Carolina, he jumped at the opportunity. The plan was for Mark to drive to Greenville and start work while Janair wrapped up the sale of their house in Indianapolis. Looking forward to the next chapter of their lives, he packed up the car and hit the road. But fate had other plans. The day after Mark left, 
Janair took their beloved dog Mesa to the vet and learned she was dying of kidney failure. This dog was like a child to her and Mark. The news was devastating. Once he heard, Mark immediately drove back to Indianapolis to help Janair care for Mesa before she was put down. Somehow, the loss served as a kind of balm for Mark and Janair's marital troubles. In their shared grief, the pair grew closer than they had ever felt before. Now the upcoming move across the country felt like a welcome change, the new start they desperately craved. And in a way, they were right. The next five years were good ones for the Gerardos. Janair found a job as a marketing manager. The couple paid off their debts, adopted two new golden retrievers, and spent their time making memories together. Slowly and surely, Mark and Janair fell back in love until life threw them another curveball. In the fall of 2016, Janair was laid off. She immediately set out to find a new job, interviewing constantly in the hopes of finding a similar position. Still, nothing came together. It felt like companies were looking for recent college graduates and a workforce that was easier to sway with an entry-level salary. At age 46, Janair started to feel as though she had aged out of the job market. Her job hunt continued well into the next year. By the summer of 2017, she took a job as a grocery store clerk just to help pay the bills. For her, this was the bottom of the barrel, and as a result, her self-esteem plummeted. She fell into a deep depression. Mark tried to be there for his wife as much as possible. He encouraged Janair to keep searching for a job that was more in line with her interests. But Janair's feelings of worthlessness overshadowed any help he tried to provide. Mark applied for jobs all around the country, hoping that another move could kickstart their relationship again. One day in late summer of 2017, Mark was looking for jobs online when he came across a position as creative director at the University of Delaware. The job description sounded like the perfect challenge for him. Excited, he applied with a personalized cover letter. For good measure, he reached out to the school's director of marketing, a young woman named Meredith Chapman. He couldn't have known at the time, but that email would alter the course of his entire life. Though Meredith Chapman would be his potential boss, she was actually 15 years younger than Mark. At just 33, her resume was impressive. She'd worked as an adjunct professor, a reporter, and a consultant for one of the top-tier education agencies in the country. She had even run for state senate. She was married to a city councilman and was already a well-known figure in Delaware, having been named one of the state's 40 under 40. The more Mark looked into Meredith, the more amazed he was, and Meredith was looking for a true partner. She needed someone she could rely on, someone whose opinion and taste she trusted. It all seemed too good to be true. Shortly after submitting his application, Mark got an interview with Meredith herself, and the pair got along well. Mark came away knowing one thing for certain. He desperately wanted to work for Meredith Chapman. A week after his interview, Mark received the offer. He was thrilled. This was the break he and Janair so desperately needed. Janair immediately quit her grocery store job to focus full-time on packing up while Mark went ahead to Delaware. They would only be apart for 45 days this time, so it didn't seem like a big deal. After all, what could possibly go wrong in 45 days? 
Coming up, Mark is tempted again. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and six times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. Now, back to the story. Mark Gerardo couldn't believe his luck. In November of 2017, he started a new job as creative director at the University of Delaware. After a few days, he was still getting his footing, but he and his new boss, 33-year-old Meredith Chapman, were already getting along famously. It was as if they had the same brain. They practically finished each other's sentences. At the end of Mark's first week on the job, Meredith invited Mark to get a drink after work. With his wife, Janair, back in South Carolina packing up their furniture, he had nothing better to do. So he said yes. Mark and Meredith walked down the street to a little Italian restaurant to get a glass of wine and discuss his first impressions at work. What Mark had assumed would be a 30-minute chat turned into a three-hour conversation. He and Meredith talked about sports, school, dogs, their favorite foods, basically everything but work. Mark even opened up to her about his parents' recent deaths and the latest difficulties in his marriage. In turn, Meredith hinted at her dissatisfaction with her own nine-year marriage. By the end of the night, Mark had all but bared his soul to his new boss. Sure, she was 15 years younger, but she made him feel so good about himself. She was supportive, enthusiastic, and had boundless energy, a far cry from Janair in her current depressive state. After Mark paid the bill, Meredith asked if he wanted to get dinner that Saturday night. She explained that her husband was away on a hunting trip and she had no plans that weekend. Mark couldn't think of a good reason to say no. That night, when Mark talked to Janair on the phone, he casually mentioned getting a drink with his boss. Janair told Mark she'd seen the charge on their joint credit card and admonished him for spending $60. Mark apologized, but stopped short of telling Janair about the dinner plans. This omission became the first of many. As Saturday approached, Mark started to wonder whether the dinner was professional or something more intimate. On the one hand, Meredith was his supervisor, but their conversation over drinks had felt anything but businesslike. He found himself feeling excited for the night in a way he hadn't experienced since he was a teenager. But he quickly reeled himself back in. He was imagining things. This was nothing just two lonely work friends keeping each other company. On Saturday, they got dinner at Meredith's favorite pizza place. Just like before, the conversation was easy and invigorating. Halfway through their meal, Mark mentioned how much he admired Meredith's work. She felt the same way about him, 
She'd seen the projects he'd done with other agencies. Then, without thinking, Mark made a confession, saying, I have a professional crush on you. Mark was worried he took things too far, but Meredith just laughed. She said she felt exactly the same thing. They both felt relieved. That's all this was. A professional crush. Nothing to worry about, Mark told himself. Over the next two weeks, he and Meredith spent a lot of time together. Mark started to do little things for Meredith without asking, like bringing her lunch when he knew she was busy. Soon, they were flirting over text for hours every day. Mark found he couldn't stop thinking about Meredith, and it didn't get any better the next time they shared an intimate dinner. The two sat closer than ever, staring deeply into each other's eyes. They'd spent the afternoon helping a coworker move, an activity Meredith's husband had even participated in. Mark spent the whole time stealing glances at Meredith, wondering if maybe he'd been reading too far into things between them. But now, sitting across from Meredith with their feet touching under the table, he knew he wasn't mistaken. There was something there. After dinner, Mark invited her back to his apartment for more wine. There, Meredith opened up to Mark about her own marital troubles. She told him the last three years of her marriage were mostly for show. They'd been living like roommates in different parts of the house, but keeping up public appearances for political reasons. Her husband even knew she was out with Mark. He didn't seem to care. Mark was astounded. They seemed to have so much in common. Troubled marriages, similar career goals. They even shared the same politics. It was almost too good to be true. Finally, giddy from the alcohol, Mark and Meredith locked eyes, leaned in, and kissed. The tension that had been building since their first dinner together was finally let loose. They were both dizzy with their own emotions, feeling like a couple of love-struck teenagers, and that feeling followed them for a while. But once Meredith left the apartment, the magic dissipated and reality set in. Mark started to panic. He'd crossed a line, big time. He was risking his 24-year marriage for a woman he'd met less than a month ago. Not only was Meredith 15 years his junior, she also happened to be his boss. Not to mention, Janair was scheduled to move to Delaware in just two weeks on December 16th. Mark resolved to shut things down between him and Meredith immediately. He met Meredith for a run the next morning and told her that he couldn't start a relationship with her. He couldn't cheat on Janair again. Meredith was disappointed, but she respected Mark's decision. They agreed to keep things professional. Despite their newfound resolve, however, neither Mark nor Meredith made any attempt to stop spending time together outside of work. And so they continued along as they had been, pretending their relationship was perfectly appropriate. Three days after their kiss, Mark received a distressing phone call. It was Janair. Their 11-year-old dog, Abby, wasn't doing well. She'd been battling cancer, and it was finally time to put her down. Once again, Mark dropped everything to go spend one last weekend with his wife and their dying dog. It was Mark's first time home since he'd moved to Delaware three weeks ago. Though he felt like he'd lived a lifetime in those weeks, he found that Janair was still the same old woman, depressed and argumentative. Between the stresses of caring for a terminally ill dog and packing up their entire house by herself, she didn't have much left in her to give. 
Mark missed Meredith's boundless energy and infectious laugh. Psychologists have long investigated the link between depression and infidelity. A 2008 study by psychologists Lisa Gorman and Adrian Blow found that depression is both a predictor of and a response to infidelity. In the case of Mark and Janair, both appear to be true. Janair's depression was likely influenced, at least in part, by Mark's past affair. And ironically, that very depression likely contributed to Mark's wandering eye when he moved to Delaware. While Mark and Janair doted on their dog, Mark updated Janair on his new job. He was careful to talk about all of his coworkers, not just Meredith. But Janair knew Mark too well to be thrown off the scent. One night, as the couple was getting ready for bed, Janair told Mark point blank, just don't fall in love with her. Mark feigned ignorance, reassuring his wife that he and his boss had a professional relationship. But privately, Mark knew that was a lie. Unlike before, Abby's death did not bring Mark and Janair closer together. If anything, it made Mark all the more desperate to get out of South Carolina and back to Meredith. When Mark returned to Delaware, Meredith got them tickets to a basketball game. They had another great night together. Their team lost, but they were too wrapped up in each other to care. As they sat in the car, their breath fogging up the windows from the cold, Mark once again found himself staring into Meredith's eyes. He marveled at the young woman. They'd known each other for less than a month, but every moment he spent with her was a thrill. Meredith made Mark believe he could do anything he set his mind to. It was something Janair had never inspired in him in their two decades of marriage. He gazed at Meredith across the center console of his car. His hand found its way to hers. Finally, he couldn't hold it back anymore. He blurted out the words Janair had forbidden him from saying. I love you, Meredith. In response, Meredith buried her face in his shoulder and said, I love you too. Though this wasn't the first time Mark had strayed in his relationship with Janair, he couldn't help but feel this time was different. With Meredith, he found himself utterly obsessed, totally consumed with her when they were together. But if Mark thought Janair would take it lying down, he was in for a rude awakening. When Janair promised, till death do us part, all those years ago, she meant it. Thanks again for tuning into Crimes of Passion. We'll be back next time with part two, where Mark's infidelity pushes Janair to the breaking point. For more information on Janair, Mark, and Meredith's tragic story, amongst the many sources we used, we found Mark Gerardo's book, Irreparable, to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time when true love meets true crime. Crimes of Passion is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Scott Stronick, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Crimes of Passion was written by Danny Messerschmidt, edited by Georgia Hampton and Terrell Wells, fact-checked by Haley Milligan, researched by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood, and produced by Bruce Katovich. I'm Lainey Hobbs. 
Hi, it's Carter, here to remind you that a very special evening with crime junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler is just days away. It's an event celebrating the release of ParCast's first book, Colts, and you can be a part of it virtually on Spotify Live or in person. The evening will take place in Los Angeles on July 13th and feature discussions about the book, a live Q&A, and more. Plus, all ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley Flowers that provides financial resources to help solve cold cases and support families impacted by unsolved violent crimes. This has all the makings of being the true crime event of the year, so don't miss out. Register for your spot today at parcast.com slash cults. All attendees will receive a special signed copy of Parcast's new book, Cults. That's parcast.com slash cults to sign up today.